This is Imperial Voice, streaming from the palace of His Imperial Majesty, Haile Selassie. No, I do not believe in government policy. That's the reason why I will not take it. And there's a lot of questions to be answered, which you're not telling us the truth. I've got it. I've had it. Does it mean no harm? Do you think other people should take it? Yes, I do. Because at the end of the day, I think it will protect this community and the whole world. You're listening to Imperial Voice. This is In Our City. I'm William Heath. And I'm Tosin Onileri. Vaccinations. Have you been vaccinated? William, have you been vaccinated? I haven't, but my mum has. I'm quite old. I'm next up, I think. So should we all get vaccinated? Should our lovely radio station carry ads encouraging people to get vaccinated? It's a topic of intense debate. People talk about arguments passing through each other like angry ghosts. Yes, I have took it. How was it? It was okay for me. Yeah, bit of a tingling in the arm, and that was it, really. My uh, thoughts on uh, the vaccine uh, programme that's been run out at the moment throughout the UK um, is a uh, my initial feelings are it's good, uh, because I think um, it's going to help the uh, vulnerable, very vulnerable and very frail people of our uh, country to uh, to be protected in some way whether it's uh, maximum protection or not it's at least some protection and i think that's a good thing myself um, i'm against having a vaccine um, my uh, opinion is i'm waiting for uh, at least um, uh, two or three years of um, programs of vaccinations to be conducted um because uh, the uh, trials themselves are new and uh, like any uh, medical um, trials they usually take years before they're introduced to the uh, population um, to make sure that they are safe and they don't have any side effects long term uh, so my um, personal opinion is they come out too soon and I'm not prepared to have a vaccine at this stage. However, if push comes to shove and I have to take a vaccine uh, for a particular purpose, like for travel, then uh, I will have to um, undertake the vaccination. Thank you. Would you take a vaccination? No, I do not believe in government policy. That's the reason why I will not take it. And there's a lot of questions to be answered, which you're not telling us the truth. What are the main questions? My main question is, you can tell us all the bad side, but you're never telling us how many people recover. I've got it. I've had it. Yes, it didn't do me no harm. Do you think other people should take it? Yes, I do. Why? 
because at the end of the day, I think that we protect this community and the whole world. Yes. I was initially uh, opposed to taking the vaccine, but um, seeing uh, where we've got to now, I think it's really important that I take it. I'm aware that there's all these different variants coming onto the scene and, um, you know, people are, are reporting on, oh, Pfizer is now not um, got the same efficacy as the uh, as the new one, AstraZeneca, and that will deal better with um, the new SA variant. Uh, variant. But um, for me, it's a case of this is not going away quickly. And um, I feel it's important that I take a vaccine and we hope that, um, you know, scientists, etc., will work on developing um, the vaccines to uh, deal with the new variants. So the sooner we all get it, um, the better for all of us. And I want to be able to travel and and uh, do things that I enjoyed before and whether it's for pleasure or work. So um, I'm going to take the vaccine. Okay. This vaccine subject is driving people nuts and it shouldn't. Such wise words from a long-standing presenter and supporter of Imperial Voice Radio. Is it driving you nuts? Why can't you see that my position on this subject has more merit than yours? How can someone I love have such views to the extent that I'm questioning our relationship? How come you reject my killer argument? Surely any sensible person would say, good grief, I have never thought of it that way. How come your arguments are totally blind to my concerns? It's a bit of a blow, to paraphrase Neil Young, when you leave home because you want to be alone and then you find out it's real. When you are brought up with unconditional love and you can express yourself without even knowing what rejection is, it's a shock when someone turns away from you after you're you deploy your most provocative argument. If we are lucky, we might then realise that disagreements might not be about facts, morals, aesthetics or best outcomes, but are the means by which we express difficult feelings we might have about each other or the world around us generally. Acknowledging that our views may reflect our emotions as much as our evaluation of the fact is a start. 99% of the time, those things that unite us are greater than those that divide us. Shall we look for them? How do you go about shedding any light on a debate of this intensity? I think our guest today can help. He's not a doctor. He's not a preacher. He's a specialist in informed listening and in mapping out complex issues. It's David Price. How are you? David, hello. (laughs) Nice to see you. uh, Nice to see you as well. Hello, David. Hello, lovely to see you again. Yes, you too. Thank you so much for making time to talk to us. Very interesting stuff. uh, It's a great pleasure. Thank you. You've got links to Bath, haven't you? Yes, I was an undergraduate at the university in the early 1980s. And uh, uh, it's, uh, of course, a a fabulous place to be, a strange time as an undergraduate. And in some ways, strange to think about that time from the perspective of students who are encountering their first year at university now and how different that experience is. But uh, but nothing but happy memories of uh, my time there. And I live in the West Country at the moment, and uh, we try and get back to Bath as often as we can do. And at university, did they teach you all about the noble history of the legacy to our community of His Imperial Majesty Haile Selassie I? 
I have to say that that wasn't at the forefront of the uh, the education that I was given at the university. And uh, to my shame, I'm, I've been having to learn about that history in the time since I was at university and have been uh, tremendously inspired by some of the things that I've learned as part of that process. So, David, I mean, do, do tell us the sort of what's the journey that took you into unpacking complicated debates? Well, there are many, uh, as with lots of stories, there are many different ways into it. Uh, I think uh, I'm dyslexic and uh, that's uh, uh, meant that I've, to some degree, always felt outside uh, the uh, the flow of uh, communication and slightly distance from it and looking at it from a uh, from a different perspective and tending to be most comfortable thinking in uh, ways uh, that are non-linear that spiral off in different directions and uh, when you're slightly distant from conversation and you listen to it you realize that there are multiple perspectives that are, are present within the space and how difficult it can be to hold all of those and see those and so I was interested in using visual mapping as a way of trying to see all of the uh, the different uh, possibilities and uh, arguments and ideas that were being presented from a very early age. So today we're looking at the COVID vaccine and two of the questions really we're looking at is should we be taking the COVID vaccine and why are black people particularly hesitant about taking it? How are you, how are you going to go about sort of mapping it. COVID as itself is, a, as we all know, is an immensely complicated topic and uh, everyone who's coming to it brings their own experience and uh, the learning that they have and, uh, uh, and their own insights to it. And we also live in a world where uh, uh, people around us have strong incentives to try to persuade us to do uh, one, uh, one thing or another thing. And so the approach that uh, we have is is one that tries to create a space um, in which people can share all of the ideas uh, and stories and uh, evidence that they think is important, all of the issues that matter to them. And to do that in a way that uh, uh, they can do it transparently, openly, and to which other people can respond, and where the connections between the ideas and the responses can uh, be explored as well. Right, so the map for what we're talking about is on the web at debategraph.org slash in our city that's debategraph.org in our city and there you can see what david's talking about here we've started the mapping process in the in the build-up to the program and I'm delighted that we have some vox pops from the community to share as part of the program to uh, to come with and we're very much hoping that this is a process that uh that starts not trying necessarily to find uh, consensus but uh, that creates a space where the conversation in the program and beyond the program uh, can, can continue. So we've had a storming and very kind of crunchy debate uh, in the Imperial Voice community, which includes uh, very diverse people and people of faith and people who are very scientifically oriented, people who work in the NHS, people who've got vulnerable elderly relatives, people who have very strong views about um, living very simply. So people are coming from all sorts of different directions. And then what we've done is taken some soundings among that community in the form of opinions uh, sent in and Vox Pops, as David said. And then we've asked David to say, what does this look like? And do you want to just start to talk us through what we've got? So the first step in the mapping process is, is, to, is to listen to all of the things that are being said and then to try and identify the individual 
points within that process so that you can begin to weave those together into a uh, into a collective whole then the process becomes trying to think about the the different themes that are present within that so that you can begin a bit of uh, begin to bring some structure to the uh, to the uh, the conversation it's a way of listening and a way of listening to multiple voices so that we can get a sense of what the contours of the full dialogue are and that we did, are able to avoid some of the uh, the traps in conversation where sometimes the loudest voices are uh, are able to dominate just simply through volume or the people who are apt to repeat the same point again and again are uh, are able to dominate through uh, repetition this is a space which is fundamentally equal for every voice that wants to uh, to be shared and allows every voice to be seen in the context of every other voice as well. Okay, so when I go to debategraph.org forward slash in our city, what I can see first of all is uh, in our city, COVID and vaccination, some information about the COVID-19 pandemic, and I can click on that. A question of sort of why vaccines, I can click on that. Then a heading of vaccine concerns, and I can see issues raised by members of the community, and then information about the vaccines that have been improved for use in the UK. And I can move those around and go into them and, and get more information. So for example, if I go to the COVID-19 pandemic, which sets the context, there's a great deal about um, the damage it's doing to the economy and society, about the number of cases that we've had, about the fact that people are experiencing long-term health effects, the disproportionate mortality for ethnic minorities. There was a word that I came across and I thought it was really fascinating, um, syndemic. And it seems to be, you know, at the heart of, of you know, this uh, plague, should I use the word? So could you perhaps explain to us what syndemic means? Yes. Well, one. Uh, so, firstly, COVID is a, is a pandemic spreading uh, globally, as, as we uh, as we know, and it presents the immediate health challenge uh, to the societies that it, that, that it's hitting. But um, the societies that it's hitting face many other challenges, which prepare them better or less to be able to uh, to address the uh, uh, the pandemic. And as we look to recover from the pandemic, those factors also weigh heavily on our ability to uh, to do so. So, um, as, so the syndemic is the sense that there are many other biological and social factors, uh, social determinants of health and life outcomes that are, are, are present in the structure of society. And when the pandemic hits that, uh, it hits uh, in unequal ways across uh, society and uh, across different uh, countries as well. So uh, when you're thinking from the perspective systemically of a, a syndemic, you're thinking about the economic disparities in society, the different educational disparities and health disparities, underlying health conditions, um, obviously age uh, profiles of countries also uh, affects the degree to which and the ways in which COVID impacts on the country housing, uh, malnutrition in, uh, in communities, uh, the mental health challenges that the uh, pandemic uh, presents and exacerbates um, 
uh, uh, sex and gender inequalities, um, uh, substance abuse in society, systemic racism, uh, unemployment, and uh, infrastructural factors like access to uh, uh, to food and um, uh, and uh, water and energy at, uh, at times as well, uh, and the impact that poverty has on all of those factors too, are all part of the cloud of things that exacerbate uh, the effects of uh, the pandemic, uh, that the pandemic highlights the degree to which those things have been present, even if they're not always part of the, the main narrative that we tell ourselves about uh, the society. You're listening to Imperial Voice. This is In Our City. Tozin and I are talking about the COVID vaccine, and we're talking with University of Bath graduate David Price, who's the founder of debategraph.org, about how we can map out all the points of view involved. So it's a cloud of things all systemically interacting uh, that many people, that means that many people's experience of the pandemic is uh, significantly more acute. I suggest that we take a very deep breath and perhaps that we fire in um, the first track that you selected and just chill to that a little bit. Then we will get to the specifics. And the first track I think is Lauren Hill to Zion. Yes. That's right. And uh, I, uh, I, you asked me to think about some tracks. And so I, I wanted to try and think about some tracks, both that are, are, are meaningful to me that I've loved uh, uh, since I first heard them. Uh, and also that had some resonances with the, uh, with the themes of the program. And there are many things to love about this first track. Um, in the uh, and this this and uh, uh, at least one of the others was written a long time before COVID. But but there's a sense of uh, confronting the unexpected things that happen in life and the choices that we have to uh, make and face in response to those and the joy and consolation that we can find in choosing our own path through those. And also the, the sense of hope uh, for the future, both through uh, the uh, future generations and through uh, the sense of moving to the to the promised land that we all uh, look forward to and uh, in terms of the pandemic uh, a promised land beyond uh, the effects that we're all suffering with at the moment one day i'm gonna understand
tiniest door I've never been in love like this before Now let me pray to keep you from The perils that will surely come See life for you my friends has just begun And I thank you for choosing me To come through unto life to be A beautiful reflection of his grace See I know that it gives so great His only one God could create And I'm reminded every time I see your face That the joy of my world is in Zion Now the joy of my world is in Zion Now the joy of my world is in Zion Now the joy of my world is in You're a songwriter yourself, David, aren't you? I, I am, uh, yes, but a, a very much an amateur uh, uh, one. So uh, I think that when we're thinking about the uh, the kind of mapping that we're talking about now, it's very easy to think in terms of just reason. And uh, there are so many other ways of communicating with each other than through uh, argument. And our understanding of, of each other and the degree to which we're affected by each other is affected by so many other things. And so one of the uh, one of the things that's beautiful about music is that shared experience of feeling of emotion and uh, ideas and uh, uh, certainly the the tracks picked now I think uh, speak to the the power that uh, songwriters and uh, uh, musicians can bring to a a sense of collective understanding and uh, collective hope as, uh, as well. We chucked a load of kind of facts and observations at you. Mm. What I can see is a very clear sort of start point about COVID and vaccination. And the first thing it has is a brief about the pandemic. And if I click on that, I can see a whole load of background facts and information. Uh, the point that 
there are long-term health effects, that it's doing huge damage to the economy, the number of cases we have in the UK, the reasons, as Tosin said, that it's it's described as a syndemic, not a pandemic, and that, that term was new to both of us. And then this issue, which is of particular concern to us, which is disproportionate mortality for ethnic minorities. So I suppose, first of all, what, 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 what you've done here is to frame it up so that there's a sort of common agreement of the facts around it. Yes. Uh, so as, as is often the case, um, uh, facts, one person's facts can be disputed by, by another person. So what we're trying to do in this context is to share uh, evidence with links to the, to the sources for the evidence and yeah. to do that in a way that if anyone uh, has evidence that challenges that, that they're able to share that as well. And if in, in turn, if people have evidence that challenges the evidence that they're sharing, they, yeah. they can... That, that too with it but there are some uh, there are some broad uh, statistics in terms of understanding the impact on society uh, that uh, uh, that have been gathered and are as you say uh, not strongly in in dispute in the, in yeah. the conversation so we've tried to establish that as a background for uh, for the debate so the next logical there's a whole bunch of vaccines which are approved for use in the uk uh, and you set up what those are. That's really clear and helpful, and that's good background. And then I guess the start point, the sort of the sort of thesis, is uh, why vaccines? Why is there any case for it? So I've gone into that, and I can see that they're proven to be effective. So, uh, which, uh, and when I click on that, I get a whole lot of background about that in different cases, references to medical papers. Then I'm going back. Rigorous testing suggests it's safe. And then the really big point that vaccines are sort of the only credible strategy to get COVID under control. Yes, we're very good. And then life gets more complicated when we go into the next part, which says vaccine concerns. And then there's specific issues raised by members of the, the community. So do you want to just talk us through the vaccine concerns? Yes. So uh, as we said, we live in an age where communities are increasingly polarized and separated into their own community communication channels. And that means that to the extent that you rely on people within your community for information, uh, it's possible for stories, observations uh, to be surfaced uh, that you may take on face value uh, and may share uh, that when our studies closer don't seem to bear scrutiny. You're listening to In Our City and Tozin and I are talking about COVID vaccines and our guest is David Price, who's a specialist in mapping out the different uh, constituent parts of a debate. So David, um, when we come to concerns and issues raised about the vaccine, we, you know, we, ha we haven't mapped out sort of bleach and 5G masks and so forth, but we have uh, registered for example, that there's a concern that it might have been, that COVID itself might have been invented in a lab and that might have implications, that COVID simply isn't real and that uh, that it's about population control or depriving people of their liberty, it's a, that it's a genocide, basically. Um, the, these these are hard to prove, but we've, we, we would log them. Um, in terms of issues raised, there's certainly concerns about the fairness of vaccines are they equally accessible in different countries? We talk about vaccine nationalism and vaccine apartheid. Companies shouldn't be profiting from the crisis. 
the most expensive vaccines are unaffordable. Then I can see also concerns, I mean, I think this is the heart of it, concerns about the freedom to choose to be vaccinated. So, for example, they shouldn't be compulsory. There's a lot of background evidence about that. I think they're not compulsory, but there's a fear they might become uh, tantamount to compulsory. Opting out of vaccination shouldn't limit freedom to work and travel. I think these are really the points that need deeper exploration and, and you know, some legal input, I think, as well. Then the point that businesses should be allowed to require proof of vaccination if they're travel companies or nightclubs or whatever, that they're entitled to, to set the terms under which, you know, which, which they think would protect their own staff or their own other customers. And here's where we really get into a, a, a discussion, isn't it? Some of the concerns that are, are being expressed in communities, um, uh, both locally within, uh, within Bath in our community and, um, and more broadly are, are around uh, the, the concerns that uh, uh, the new types of vaccines that use RNA might impact the person's DNA when they uh, receive them. Um, uh, that uh, vaccines uh, uh, contain animal products, the vaccines might affect female fertility, uh, that uh, vaccines are a cover to uh, implant trackable microchips, and the, uh, the vaccines include uh, lung tissues from uh, aborted fetuses, and, uh, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and also that uh, the vaccines have, um, uh, have been uh, which have uh, emerged very rapidly, have emerged so rapidly that there hasn't been adequate chance to, to, to test them. So in the context of the map, what we're trying to do is to say these are, are concerns that people are expressing and sharing. And so first of all, we want to try and capture those concerns uh, accurately so that those uh, concerns can be seen to be represented and heard in the context of the map. And then the next thing that we're doing is surfacing in the context of those concerns, the evidence that others have been gathering to uh, show, as, as they uh, would argue, that those concerns are not founded. So if you explore the map, you can look at each of the concerns and see, uh, begin to see the evidence that we've started to accumulate in, uh, in response to those. And the list of uh, concerns that uh, that we just walked through are all uh, are concerns where there is uh, strong evidence uh, to suggest that those concerns are, are not founded. Either it's true or false that they can have animal content or something, and then some people will be bothered by that and some people won't. But if it's false, it's not an issue anyway. Yes. Uh, and uh, one of the reasons why it's important to surface uh, the concerns and the responses to the concerns is that often uh, it's very easy to see that as a very polarized yes or no question uh, when there are often many nuances that lie underneath that. Uh, so, uh, for example, uh, some vaccines uh, do use cells that are uh, cloned from uh, or claim from cells grown in a lab. And so there, uh, that's, that's an issue that is not precisely the same as the, uh, the concern that's raised, but maybe a source of concern uh, for others. And I think that it's really important in addressing uh, and reflecting on these concerns when they're shared together to understand that 
uh, science is at its best when it's skeptical and questioning of itself, and that the process of systematically uh, being skeptical and questioning itself is what gives it the ability to have uh, weight uh, 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 on which to place uh, some uh, some degree of uh, of trust. We're talking about. Um, uh, some of the concerns, and yes. we men- you mentioned that one of them was about um, um, animal uh, DNA or what had been used. But isn't that actually the basis of uh, the AstraZeneca um, vaccine? It, it's not a one of the differences between that and the other two vaccines, which are completely constructed from sort of like a lab material. Is that the the AstraZeneca one is from genetic um, monkey material. I mean, that is, is that is that one of the big differences? Um, the uh, if you follow the map and look at the regulatory approval uh, for the COVID uh, AstraZeneca vaccine, uh, one of the things that's uh, confirmed in that context uh, is that the COVID nineteen vaccine, uh, the AstraZeneca one, does not contain any components of uh, animal origin. Uh, with it. Yeah, I can see that now. Does it contain alcohol? I'm going to click on that. Does um, it contain alcohol? The vaccine contains alcohol, ethanol. My God, yes, not a lot though. And yes. then going back, does it contain animal components? It doesn't contain animal components. The MHRA confirms that the COVID 19 AstraZeneca does not contain any components of animal origin. Honestly, but, it, but nevertheless, it contains some genetically modified material. The point that you're surfacing about uh, the uh, 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 the content of the vaccines is a point that can be added to the map. And then the answer to that, uh, that others would present, uh, can be surfaced in that context. Before we kind of carry on, I thought it'd be really great to have a, a little musical break. The second track is uh, a song by Bruce Coburn, who is um, uh, a Canadian singer-songwriter. It's again a song written many years before COVID, uh, but it captures a sense that I think that, uh, that we all feel a year into the crisis a year into a lockdown, a lockdown into our homes and lockdown into a a way of life um, that we weren't expecting. Sunset is an angel weeping Holding out a bloody sword No matter how I squint, I cannot Make out what it's pointing toward Sometimes you feel like you've lived too long Days drip slowly on the page You catch yourself Facing the cage I've proven who I am so many times The magnetic strips worn thin And each time I was someone else 
And everyone was taken in Powers chatter in high places Stir up eddies in the dust of rage Set me to pacing the cage I never knew what you all wanted So I gave you everything All that I could pillage All the spells that I could sing It's as if the thing were written in the constitution of the age Sooner or later You'll wind up pacing the cage guide you You can't see what's round the bend Sometimes the road leads through dark places Sometimes the darkness is your friend Today these eyes scan bleached out land For the calm Outbound stage Facing the cage Facing the cage challenging is the perspective you have to think from to make a sensible decision about vaccination it's one of those things where if most people do it then it's a, then it helps all of us but even so the individual's choice can be different for any number of reasons and it's absolutely clear that coercion it would be a terrible terrible idea and would cause incredible injustice and suffering but looking at your debate graph i'm really struck by how much actual factual information there is plus how much complete nonsense and misinformation and sort of BS is flying around, which one has to studiously ignore to make any kind of sensible decision. Yes, although it's, it's important to note that two people might look at the map uh, and categorise the, the information into those two categories that you've given in yeah. different ways yeah. uh, with, it, uh, with it too. And so as this is a societal decision, it's really important to 
to surface all of those things and to make sure that anyone who thinks who's leaning towards any particular position is able to see that position in the context of all of the relevant ideas and evidence that everyone else has to uh, to share. And this speaks to the complexity that you were talking about. There is a, a degree to which you try to soak up all of the information that you can do from all of the sources that you can do. And if you're not seeking information from all of the sources that you're that you can do, then you probably are having a, a partial or biased uh, uh, subset of uh, of those so that the more open you can be to all of the possibilities the better and then uh, there's a certain inescapable decision that's an at the individual level as to what you from all of your life experience and uh, and the different weight that you put on things how you weigh those to reach the decision that uh, that you want to do and obviously for, with vaccination from a societal level there's a strong interest in the community, uh, the majority of the community reaching a decision in favour of vaccination, not just because of the benefit to the individual, but to the benefit of the community as a, as a whole. And nonetheless, it still ultimately uh, comes down to the, the individual's insight. And so part of the process, I think we hope, is to try and give people the richest possible basis on which to form their own views in uh, in relation to this. And obviously, I have a sense of what that would mean for me, and you have a sense of what that would mean for you, and Tosin has a sense of what that would mean for you. And that, to some extent, those may be aligned in other senses, they, they may not be. And that, that I think, is... Um, somewhat in, inescapable and the more that we can respect the fact that that is part of the process the more we can trust each other to reach the uh, the conclusions that are best founded from all that we're able to do and are best motivated for the individual and the community good as well. So in, the, in a sense this is the antithesis of fake news that's what we're going for here. Fake news is uh, is probably been a part of uh, human history uh, since the outset, but um, the gill with which it's applied to cynical ends has, uh, uh, and the tools for doing that have uh, have really strengthened, which makes it even harder for us as individuals uh, in a world that's increasingly complex where many factors uh, need to be weighed against each other. It makes it increasingly hard for us to find our own pathway through the, the complex questions that we're presented with. Greetings, I'm Malika. I live in London. I was invited by my local health centre to take the vaccine about two weeks ago. I was quite surprised to get the invitation because I don't really consider myself to be in priority need. Um, I'm not in the age group. I don't have any pre-existing illnesses. I'm not a frontline key worker. And I've not been ill since the crisis started. I haven't had COVID-19. I think it would be unconscionable for someone like me to take the vaccine, knowing that there are key workers, frontline key workers, people who've had the vaccine, the COVID-19 um, illness once, twice, even three times, and people with families and young children that have to go out there every single day 
um, and put their lives at risk, police workers, teachers, who, if they don't go back to work, we're never going to have any normality. I'm fortunate to work in the comfort of my own home. I go out two, three, four times a week. I take the bus sometimes. Um, I do wear my mask. I'm happy to wear my mask because of the pollution in London. I may even continue wearing the mask when COVID's done because we've still got the pollution to deal with. So I think from a humanitarian perspective, it would be very difficult for me to take the first or the second vaccine while there are other people with illnesses, disabilities, um, who are more vulnerable. I do know of people even younger than myself who definitely aren't in the age group who've been invited to take the vaccine and they've gone ahead and done so. They're not working on the front line. They don't have any illnesses to my knowledge, but they've had an invite. I don't know why they've been invited so early in the process, but they have. Um, I'm a black female. I don't feel particularly vulnerable. I'm quite hardy. I'm not concerned that I'm suddenly gonna get COVID. I've not had it yet. We've had a good year and a half. No, it feels like a year and a half, but we've had a good year almost of this. And I've continued pretty much with my life as, as normal for me. And um, I'm quite happy to continue like this and let others who are more vulnerable have the opportunity to take the vaccine as I said, from a humanitarian perspective, I think it would be very, very selfish of me to take a vaccine, a first or a second one, knowing that I'm not in any great need. How easy is it for a layman to use this map? Contributing is as easy as uh, uh, sharing uh, emails or uh, some of the vox pops that uh, uh, we're hearing or tweeting uh, ideas that uh, we'll be glad to incorporate in uh, in the uh, in the map. Um, David, when people use Facebook or Twitter, they just end up having flame wars and massive rows. And does that happen with your debate graph? Do you, do you find that there are kind of contentious debate maps? Have you had situations where you've broached a difficult topic, done the map, and people are arguing about the map? Or do you find that this process diffuses the argument because everyone can see that their views are reflected. Very much the latter. One of the reasons why one of the reasons why, for example, in in Facebook groups that you you might get an increasingly polarized discussion is because um, there's a sense that um, assuming that the, the dynamics of the people who are working are uh, well-motivated and well-intentioned, uh, that there's a sense of almost clamouring for to have the last word, but clamouring for the space and for the points that you have to be, seem to be dominant in that uh, that space to prevail. Whereas in the graph form, uh, there's no limit to the number of ideas that anyone can add. And once you've added an idea, you can refine it, but there's nothing to be gained by simply adding the same idea multiple times. Isn't this our kind of process? I mean, just shedding light on matters and take, taking the heat out of the whole thing and putting everything on an equal footing, I think. So David, is, is sort of your task of the debate mapping, is that complete when 
anyone who thinks they've got a stake in the game can look at the map, they can see their point of view reflected. Is that job done? And if so, what, what do you do at that point? What happens next? Uh, well, um, so yes, in one sense, in the sense that what you're trying to do, particularly if you're working in the context of the community, is to get to the point where everyone feels that the things that they have to say that they feel are important are reflected and that the responses that people have to the things that other people think are important are reflected as well. So you, you do move from a, a place of an initial seed map that is uh, quite sketchy on the topic that's picking out some of the issues, but not yet uh, begun to sort of delve more deeply into them and into the connections of them, to something that's very clearly much more mature as an expression of the community's understanding. I think it'd be really great to go to your last um, piece of music. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yes, so uh, this is a much more recent song uh, than, uh, than the other two. It's uh, a song that uh, I hope will be nominated for an Oscar uh, uh, this year. Uh, it features um, on the soundtrack for One Night in Miami. So I will play Leslie Odonjo, Speak Now, and we'll hope that it gets nominated for an Oscar. the storm in your heart is raging listen 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 to the echoes of martyrs praying listen 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 brothers and sisters listen listen I swear we'll never find a way to where we're going All alone, don't take your eyes off the road Can you hear the bells ring out? Speak now, speak now Can you hear the angels sing loud? message of hope and the whispers of ghosts listen 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 for the children will grow on the seeds that we sow they listen they listen oh listen brothers and sisters listen
I have to say, I really, really enjoyed that song. Um, and uh, sort of looking at, so it was on Jimmy Kimmel. I thought I was one of the few people who sort of listened to and watched uh, him on YouTube. But it's kind of nice to to know that it has a not just a, um, a stateside, but a, a wider audience. But that was that's a brilliant song. I will be yeah. listening to it. Tosan, I'm really delighted that you liked the uh, the Leslie Odom Jr. song. As, oh, I loved uh, it. Loved uh, it. Well, Absolutely yeah, so. loved it. Thank you. Thank you for opening my eyes, introducing me to something wonderful. Thank yeah, yeah, he has the voice of an angel. So <laughs> it does. It does um, for sure. We're inviting people to contribute more, aren't we? It's, it's debategraph.org forward slash in our city. We're still open. Uh, do people have to register to comments or can we make it completely open? Uh, to uh, Anyone can look and explore the map uh, without registering. Uh, to, uh, to comment and contribute uh, involves registering on the site. Unless you want to share your comments uh, directly and, uh, and are happy for us to add your material to the site. So uh, if... Um, uh, uh, people who are listening are interested in sharing ideas directly to you at the, at the program, uh, then uh, I'm sure that you'll be happy to relay them to me. If uh, uh, people are having a conversation on the Facebook group, uh, then we'd be very happy to take the ideas and uh, include those, and we can include links back and forth to show how those ideas have been reflected in the map. So uh, you don't have to register if you already have ways of communicating uh, in uh, in other tools or would like to do that. So, so for notes, I'm just send it to us, to, to me or to Tozin via Facebook or, or WhatsApp. Uh, David can put extra substantive points or views, and then we will maintain a broad register of the opinions and facts that affect people's decisions around COVID vaccines, particularly with regard to inequality, poverty and race differences. And then do you think, do people change their minds as a result? Is it more doing the process that changes people? Or do you have people who come and sort of look at the whole thing? I don't know, journalists, commentators, analysts, or individuals who, who look at the broad assembly of facts and issues and say, do you know what, that's kind of changed my mind a little bit. I now feel differently about it. it perhaps not surprisingly, given everything else that we've said, the argue strongly that the purpose is not to change minds per se. It's not to persuade or try and uh, uh, batter somebody into believing a particular point of view, but it's to try and create a space where people can really listen closely to all of the of the points of view and there's good evidence to uh, suggest that when people take time to listen to all of the points of view they'll find things that they begin to incorporate in their own thinking and it'll be different for different different people but their understanding will be enriched and the decisions that they make instinctively or in a reasoned way on the basis of that will be informed by those. So uh, I think that um, uh, it's not to change minds in any direction, it's to give people the best possible basis on which to make their decisions for them uh, themselves. This is In Our City. Tozen and I are talking about COVID vaccines, but we're not arguing about it and we're not trying to persuade anyone We've got a special guest, David Price, who's a specialist in mapping out all points of view and all parts of an argument so that people can be calm and dispassionate about it. You can see the map that David's drawn out at debategraph.org forward slash in our city. 
and you can add to it. You can comment or you can send us any further input or any points that uh, we've missed out. David, thank you so much for, for, for taking us through that and for taking the time to, to map out. I mean, I was really struggling with all the different opinions flying around. I hate conflict. I get easily confused by sort of too much of science and opinions and stuff like that. And your process of mapping it out is just, it's wonderfully sort of calming and grounding. It's not judgmental. It's not advocacy or evangelism. It, it does. It's, it's, it's like a sort of structured form of practiced listening. I think it's a very respectful and really constructive and helpful activity. So thank you so much. Thank you both. It's been a real pleasure talking to you both. Thank you. Thank you, David. You've been listening to In Our City with our special guest, David, um, who has mapped out the pros and cons of the COVID vaccine for us. I'm Tosin Nunilary. I'm William Heath. Stay tuned to Imperial Voice. Thank you.